great passage that we're going to dig into a little bit more this morning. It's good to be able to share with you this morning a fun passage, a big one. And and we're continuing this series in James. For those of you who have been following it, we've had a couple of weeks breaks with uh, Jubilee celebrations and something else was going on. But yeah, all age worship stuff, but we're back in to James and it's such a good book. It's really challenging and yet the passage I'm looking at seems to go contrary to what Matt shared last week. That was all about don't judge, see people as Jesus sees and now James himself seems to be judging. What is genuine faith? He seems to go straight in there and yet we'll see if that's really what he means in the moment. This passage is also really controversial historically It's caused real divisions amongst people and, oh, what's going on there? Again, I think we'll dig into this and see actually a controversial passage brings real fruit, real light, real joy, I pray. Um, And so I'm just going to pray and um, seek God together. Let's pray. Let's be open to hearing God's word. Let's pray and be open to him changing us this morning, to speaking to us, to uh, transforming us as we hear God's word together. Let's pray. He's speaking now. More, Lord. More, Lord, we pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for these words that speak to the heart, that challenges, that cut through, that are really blunt and (laughs) forceful this morning. These words from James that have spoken to me. Lord Jesus, would you speak to us? Would you change me? Would you transform us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as I prayed there, James is speaking directly to, to us this morning. He relates to all this, regardless of time, culture, gender, age. James is blunt, isn't he? I love James. It's one of the first books I read when I became a Christian. Because it just, you read it and it's like, oh, that's what I've got to do. And in some ways, I could just say, love Jesus and do what he tells you. And we could all go home now. That would be a quick tour, wouldn't it? Love Jesus and love others. That's what this is about. And yet James likes to ask us questions. <coughs> I don't know if you like ask, being asked questions. I'm asking you one now. Do you like being asked questions? Some of us do. James asked blunt questions. And his first one to us is about being able to see. Do we think that we can be saved? Can faith without deeds save us? That's his first question. I'm really fortunate that I've journeyed with some people that have been really blunt to me and gone, Mark, how's your, how's your walk with Jesus? Mark, how are you doing at reading your Bible? Where are you finding time to spend time with your with your wife, with your kids, with your family. I'm really, really thankful for those people. Probably we've all had some of those in our time that have gone, hey, how's that going? What's that about? James is one of these people. He's blunt with us. He's direct. And his first question comes out of this verse 14. What good is it, brothers and sisters, you and me, if someone claims to have faith but no deeds? Can that faith save them? Can faith without deeds save us? He goes on, just to ensure, in case we're not actually sure, he says, it's quite clear, really, that we're saved by faith, isn't it? It's obvious, we've got to be saved by faith. But he now clarifies it. 
with a bit more. He goes in verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to him, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what does he say? What good is that? It's one of these hypothetical questions. We know the answer. We go, that's useless, James. That's not faith at all. That's just saying, oh, I love you, but doing nothing about it. If I said to my wife, Fiona, all the time, I love you, but then treated her completely opposite, you'd be going, Mark, what are you doing about you? Why are you saying you love her? But surely you should treat her like you love her. That's what James is on about here. It's obvious. If we say we care for each other, then we also care for the physical needs of each other. We wouldn't just say to someone today, oh, go in peace, keep warm and fed, when we know they're going back out on the streets, that we've got nowhere to go. James knows this would be hypocrisy. This kind of faith that doesn't care for others, surely is not that kind of faith that saves us. James isn't questioning if we're saved by faith, faith, but asking how we know if we've had genuine faith. That's the big question I want to dig into this morning. How real is your faith this morning? How alive is my faith this morning? It's a deep question. It's a blunt question. How is your faith this morning? It's tough to face, but it's really healthy, I think, for us to look at that. Sometimes we don't ask the blunt questions. How are you doing with your walk with Jesus this morning? James likes asking us tricky questions. And he carries on by saying by echoing some of the words of Jesus. That verse 15 and 16, where it talks about, you say you care for someone, but you do nothing about it. That sounds a bit like Jesus, doesn't it? Jesus said lots on these things in the parable of the sheep and the goats. He says, for I was hungry, he gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, he gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes, you put clothes on my back. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you came and visited me. Then the righteous will answer, well, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or, or in need, or thirsty, or give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or need clothes and clothe you? When did you see the sick, or, or in prison, and visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whenever you did it, for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, for me. He did it for me. Jesus and James are on the same page. They're not against each other here at all. Through love and care for others, Jesus healed lepers, the blind, he touched the unclean, he fed others, feeding of huge crowds. He said he felt sorry for them when he saw them. He cared about people's welfare but it was also eating with sinners and sitting down with the outcasts, the Samaritan woman, people like that. He was weeping when his friend died. We should be doing the same. We should be doing the same as Jesus. It's obvious, isn't it? That's what our faith should look like. It should look like Jesus. How did he do stuff? We should be doing the same. That's what James is pointing to. He's pointing us to Jesus. But then, some of you might be going, oh! Careful, Mark, it sounds like all we've got to do is do the things of Jesus and then my faith is sorted. 
Do I need the cross? Do I need the resurrection? Do I need to put my trust and faith in Jesus? (laughs) Yeah, we do. Blatantly we do. We can't earn our salvation. I'm not telling you this morning, please don't go away thinking, I've got to work harder, I've got to do more, I've got to be on this rotor, that rotor, I've got to sort everyone else out, because then Jesus will love me. Not at all. That song we've just been singing about is all about majesty, your grace. It's God's grace that has saved us. It's only by grace that we enter, only by grace that we can know Jesus. It is a gift. And so, throughout history, it's been like, a, oh, faith and works, they're up against it. We've got Paul on this side, we've got a bit of Luther over here giving it all of this. Not at all. They're on the same page. Paul says things like this, which sounds like it's against what James is saying. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, you probably know these words. For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And it's not from ourselves, it's not about my works. It is a gift from God. Not by works, so none of us are going to boast. We're not going to go out here this morning and go, oh, look how many Bible studies I've done this week, look how many things I did. Not at all, it's not me. It's a gift, it's grace. I want you to leave this morning knowing that you're loved, knowing that the gift of salvation is a gift. It's a gift from God. James is not against Paul. They're on the same page. The reason it sounds like they're directly speaking against each other is because they're speaking for different purposes. They want to point the way to Jesus. Jesus is the only way. He is the amazing free gift. Paul also goes on to actually sound more like James. He says things in Philippians 1. Whatever happens, conduct... Hang on a minute, that sounds like not on a bus. (laughs) Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. In other words, live like Jesus. Live like your life is good news. I meet some Christians and I think, man, do, do you know Jesus? You say it's good news, the gospel means good news, and yet our lives can sometimes look like... Anything but joy-filled. Don't get me wrong. Life is tough. Life is hard. I'm not asking us all to dance around. But we should have a joy, a knowledge of who we are in Christ that is deep. I should know Jesus and the joy that sets me free in knowing him. And yet Paul says, come and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. He goes on to say, strive together. That sounds like works as well, Paul. Strive together for the faith of the gospel. He also goes on to say, we remember before God our Father, your work produced by faith. He's thanking these guys in Thessalonia for their work produced by faith. So it's not work against faith. They're not separate. (coughs) We know this, don't we? We know that faith and works are this beautiful Two pieces of the puzzle that fit together beautifully. They're on the same page. Both agree that it's a confession of faith that saves us. But both agree that it's through faith and trust in Jesus that we are on the... Sorry, let me read that again. Both agree it's through faith and trust in Jesus that we are saved. But in this bit, James goes on to explore confession of faith and demonstration of our faith. He's saying it's not enough just to say you believe. Even the demons believe that, we read, didn't we? 
says, no, we've got to demonstrate, we've got to live out their faith. If we've repented, repentance is all about turning around, facing Jesus, following him, then my life, my actions, my thoughts, my deeds should be changed, transformed. Our words, speaking of kindness and love, not hate and gossip. Our actions should be full of kindness and generosity to the stranger, not thoughtless and selfish, all about myself. James is saying it isn't enough just to attend church to believe the right doctrines, whatever ones those are, do you know? It's not just about right thinking, it's about right practice, right action, is what James is speaking to us about here. It's not about me saying I've done all these things so I can boast. It's about, I'm going to boast in Jesus. Jesus is the one who set me free. He is the one who saved me. And because he loves me, I want to show that love to others in how I care for them. James is blunt, as I said earlier. He even goes on to go, cool, do you want a bit more proof on this? Someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Well, show me faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith with deeds. You believe there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. We shouldn't be fooled into thinking belief on its own is enough. We should be transformed. We should be changed. And we should, people should be able to see that I believe in Jesus. They should be able to look at you and go, yes, that looks like Jesus. I remember when I was at Lee Abbey, someone used to say, just notice Jesus in each of us. As we met in this community, as we gathered together, and I've had the privilege of starting to get to know a few of you. I can see Jesus in you. I see the way you care, the way you welcome, the way you love, the way you notice the stranger. We should be able to see Jesus in each of us. It's a good challenge, isn't it, to go, ah, I can see Jesus in them. Can you see Jesus in me? Can I see Jesus in you? Paul again reminds us, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. (laughs) It's not about what we do to earn our faith or ritual. But the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith living out, expressing itself in love. I want to be someone that you can see my faith. I'm really challenged by this this morning. I've I've struggled with this. I've written it. Because it's it's challenged me to go, wow, I believe lots of stuff. I've done some training. I'm journeying with Jesus. I'm trying to learn. Actually, am I living out this love that Jesus has? So I'd like us just to think about how healthy our faith is. There's a quote from John Drain that says this, The presence or absence of results in life and conduct is the real test of faith as a green shoot of a living seed. We are justified by works because they prove our faith to be real faith. The way we live shows that we have real faith. So how healthy is my faith? Is faith just demonstrated not by faith is demonstrated not 
just by what we say, but what we do. What will others think and see of my faith? How do I live out my trust in Jesus? Is it noticeable to others once I walk out that door on a Sunday? Do I suddenly go, oh, take off that hat, I've done my Sunday bit, Oop. now I can go back into the Sunday afternoon, Monday morning version of Mark? Or do I live dependent, trusting in Jesus? James goes on, and I'm not going to spend too long on this, but James goes on and gives us some examples from Abraham, this great father of father of nations. He goes on and speaks about him and says, he didn't just live and say he believed in God, he put it into action. Look how he cared for Isaac, look how he loved his son, and yet God called him to sacrifice his son. Oh, I just can't understand that. It's a real mystery, that story to me, a real painful story. And yet Abraham puts his faith into action and says, God, I trust you. I lay down the thing that I hold most precious and I trust you with it. And it says that he was considered righteous. He was called a friend of God because of how he acted. Rahab, this prostitute, in a foreign land, showed her faith in God by giving lodging to these spies. I love the fact that Rahab is there, written in the line of Jesus. She's there, isn't she, in Matthew 1. She's there in Hebrews 11, one of the great heroes of faith. This woman on the margins, seen as outcast, seen as separate, and yet her faith was demonstrated by what she did. She trusted God to save her. When Jesus saves us, he intends to transform us. Our transformation is to be complete, holistic, not just affecting my head, what I think, but also my heart, the things I love, and changing my actions, what my hands do. We want God to change us, to transform our heart, our (laughs) heart, our mind. No actions. I can't do actions. I might be a drummer, but I can't do action songs, Matt. I'm sorry. He wants to transform our minds, our hearts, and our actions. If we love someone, what do we end up doing? We love the things that they love. Yeah? We become interested in the things that they're interested in. Your passions will become my passions as I hang out with you. It's the same with Jesus. Jesus feeds the hungry, clothes the naked, welcomes the stranger. If we're connected to Jesus through faith, this way of living becomes normal to us, almost unthinking behaviour. If we love Jesus, then we start loving the things that he loves. What does he love? Well, James reminds us a bit earlier on in chapter 1. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is to look after the orphans and widows in their distress to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. We, as God's people, are given the responsibility for fighting and for caring for the needs of the marginalised and the vulnerable. The Bible often calls these groups orphans, widows and strangers. We are called to be responsible for fighting and for caring for the needs of the marginalised and the vulnerable 
Because that's who Jesus cared for. These are the ones that he lived out his faith. He did what the Father did. He said, Father, where do you want me to go? And he went to the poor, to the lost, to the least, to the downtrodden, to the marginalised. Nicky Gumbel says this, You are never more like God than when you are helping hurting people, lifting up the fallen and restoring the broken. I love that. I'm going to read it again. You are never more like God than when you're helping hurting people, lifting up the fallen and restoring the broken. How am I caring for the least and the lost? How am I looking out for the despised, the rejected, the poor, the hungry, the naked? It's really challenging, isn't it? It's really uncomfortable. That's why we're doing this series, to be courageously like Christ. We're not trying to make it comfortable. James isn't comfortable this morning. These words have not been comfortable to me. That's why as a church we're seeking to see lives transformed by Jesus. We want to be people that are transformed ourselves and then see others transformed. We want to see individuals, families, we could also add in widows, orphans, strangers, homeless. We want to see these people meeting with Jesus. And that starts by me being transformed by Jesus. We need to respond in these words of Isaiah. Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to see the oppressed free and break every yoke. This is how we show, this is how we demonstrate our faith by our love and our care of those on the margins. So, just bringing this into lands. We are ultimately loved by God. Do not lose sight of God's grace, God's love. We've been singing about our good, good Father this morning. He loves you. He loves me. We are saved by faith. Faith in Jesus Christ alone. No other way to the Father except through him. And yet that faith is more than just intellectual belief. It should transform. It should change our lives. Salvation is for those who do the will of God. Faith and actions got to go together like that jigsaw puzzle piece. Faith is made complete by our actions. As I was preparing this, I was like, oh, I could give so many stories and testimonies of where I've cared for the poor and the orphans and the widows. And I went, I've not got many, Lord. (laughs) I'm struggling. I'm struggling to tell stories to you this morning of where I've cared for those. I've probably got a couple where I've picked up random guys in Levi's and where I've hung out with young people that have all got Tourette's. I could try and make myself sound like, well, Mark, you're amazing. You do the things Jesus did. I struggle to give you lots of stories this morning. Maybe you're a bit like me. Maybe you haven't got many stories. I would love us as a church to be people that have got lots of stories where our faith is transforming the lives of those around us, where our faith is good news to all those that we meet, to the poor, to the widowed, to the orphan, to the stranger. How am I being transformed to be more like Jesus so that my faith is shown by caring for others, especially 
the most vulnerable and marginalised. This morning's not meant to leave us feeling guilty. It's not meant to make us swing into just working harder. It's meant to transform us, to love Jesus more. And the more we hang out with Jesus, guess what happens? We do the things of Jesus. It's really that simple. So I've been challenged this morning, Jesus, do I know you? Do I love you? Do I feed your sheep? Do I do those things that you call me to do? (coughs) I want to leave us just with a couple of questions. Just like James, being a little bit blunt. Maybe this is our response together. Maybe this morning there's someone here who needs to ask. We're called to come to our Father who loves us. He's our good, good father and we can ask him of anything. And Maybe there's someone here in this space or online who maybe this morning needs to ask for that faith for the first time, needs to say to Jesus, Jesus, I, I, I don't know you. I don't know your love for me. I want to know your love. I want to receive that amazing gift of life, resurrection life that starts now and carries on for eternity. So if that's you, I'd love to pray with you this morning. I'd love us to know Jesus transforming lives by that first step of faith today. And maybe you're a bit like me and and maybe you're just saying, Holy Spirit, would you give me a heart for the lost? Would you give me a compassion for the marginalised, the vulnerable, those at the food bank that we've heard about this morning, those living in our streets, those that we see on the telly? Lord Jesus, break my heart for the things that breaks yours. It's a dangerous prayer to pray. I've prayed it several times and God does it. He breaks your heart. Uh, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to <laughs> soften our hearts. He wants to speak to us and go, if you love me, then love others like I do. That's what Jesus... And lastly, maybe there's a sense there's some people in the room or online that I feel, yes, I have this compassion for the lost. I have this heart for Jesus. And I want to see others love Jesus, be transformed, be good news. Maybe you've got a question this morning. God, what do you want me to do? Someone here in this room gave me a word as I started my ministry here a few weeks ago. And I'm still wrestling with it. And I'll leave this with you. And Maybe it's a word for you as well. There's a picture of me walking down the road with Jesus, arm in arm. Jesus, my mate. I love that. That's an image for all of us. Jesus is our best friend. He's warm, he's with us, he's smiling. And we're walking down this country lane with sheep in either fields, either side. And then I get to a gate and I stop and I go, Ah, Jesus, this is my field, this is where my work's going to be. But Jesus has walked on <laughs> and he's, he's gone on ahead. And I'm like, Jesus, come on, this is what I'm here for. This is the stuff you want me to be doing. But Jesus has moved on. So I race after Jesus and he leads me on to this new, beautiful, untouched, open field with a brand new gate and a brand new, beautiful grass ready to go. And I don't know what that is for me yet. I'm not sure what that open gate is. I'm seeking God for that, not there, but there. And I sense that's true for some of us here. I sense that's true of us as a church as we explore Uh, this vision of seeing lives transformed by Jesus, that we go, okay, so it's not that Jesus, what what is this open gate? What is this thing for you as individuals, but also for us as a church? 
think I'm going to stop there because I feel that's, that's plenty for us this morning. I'm going to pause, maybe just think for yourself, where are you at this morning? Do you need to seek Jesus for the first time? Do you need to say, Jesus, you are my Lord, my Saviour, I come to you, you are all I need. Help me to trust and follow you. Maybe you're someone who goes, Holy Spirit, I love you, Jesus, but I'm not doing the things that you do, Jesus. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Show me those in need around me. Maybe you've already got that heart and you're just saying, Lord, show me the open field. Show me the open door. Show me that opportunity. Give me faith. Give me strength to step in to that thing that you're calling me to do. Lord Jesus, we love you. You are so good to us. You've done it all for us. You've poured out your grace. You've given us life in all its fullness, life eternal. And we receive that afresh this morning. And Lord, we long to do the things that you do. Not because we feel we have to, because we earn it, but because we love you. And we want to do the things that you do. We want to see people healed. We want to see people cared for and loved set free because that's what you did Jesus transform us so that we can be your hands your feet your good news to those around us we pray